What's up, everybody? This is Jamilia, and you're listening to Barely Legal and Web3. On this podcast, we talk about everything at the intersection between legal compliance and Web3 innovation. I launched this podcast to celebrate all of the amazing innovation that's happening in Web3, but also to unapologetically highlight some of the massive failures that we have seen about what's working and what's not. And we also talk about what it takes to be a successful Web3 lawyer. When I first started ByteBow, there were no resources for lawyers looking to venture into this space. I didn't know anyone that was in Web3, and it was really difficult. I really believe that everything in Web3, and particularly in law, has to lead with diversity and inclusion. So if you're a lawyer and you're looking to get into Web3, and you're looking to connect with other attorneys, and you don't know anyone who's in the space, please check out the community that we've built at ByteBow. You can check it out in the link below. I always leave the link there for people to join. It's totally free. Come in, connect with some other great Web3 lawyers who also believe that we should be building an inclusive community. And on top of that, we're sharing great information. You get to learn, you get to connect with other people, you will ultimately get a chance to get referrals. And so it's just a wonderful place to be. It's a safe space, and I hope to see you in there. Welcome back to another episode of Barely Legal in Web3. I am so glad that you guys are here today and you are listening in. I just wanted to start off by saying I really appreciate all of you. I appreciate the community that we're building for lawyers in Web3, and I appreciate the common thread, the common thread of really wanting to build out a community that's inclusive and that's collaborative and that supports one another. And I really have to say that as I'm in this space, you know, I started doing this last year. And of course, more lawyers have come in. More lawyers have come in that are focusing on Web3 and are building communities. I have to say that the thing that makes ByteBow and what we are doing different is our diversity and the fact that we are inclusive and the fact that we are not like the traditional law firms or the traditional tech companies is that we actually are inclusive. We actually are diverse. We don't just put campaigns behind it and go out and and attempt to paint that picture. And, you know, I I must admit, I've been a bit off for the past week and a half or so because this news about this Sam Bankman-Fried, this SBF news, has really bothered me. And, and it's like bothered me to the core. For those of you that don't know, Sam Bankman-Fried for the past two years or so has been noted as a crypto billionaire. He is the owner of FTX, one of the largest crypto trading platforms in the world. And before it went bankrupt last week and filed for chapter 11, and has really been hailed as like this genius of crypto. And if you look at the guy, when he comes on shows to do interviews, he's basically wearing what I would never even step out in the house in. I wouldn't even step out in the house looking like that. Like his hair is always frazzled. He's wearing like this old dusty t-shirt. And some of you may be saying like, oh, you shouldn't judge people by, yeah, you should judge people by how they dress because that's a reflection of how much they care about the event that they're coming to. So he's, you know, he's done interviews. He's been seen everywhere and he just looks a mess. 
And so this FTX, when it collapsed, it sent shockwaves through the industry. And not just because of the magnitude of the amount of capital that was wrapped up in it, but because so many different companies were actually doing business, relied on, or were leveraging the, the cryptocurrency within this platform. The Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing, the details that are in it, uh, you can't make it up. Like that is real. And I encourage you, please look it up. I will put the link in the show notes. Read this filing with the beginning of all Chapter 11 bankruptcies. Whoever is, is leading the charge of the bankruptcy, whether it's the newly appointed CEO in this case, or whether it's someone else who's been appointed as administrator, they have to give the state of affairs. They have to say, I came in. This is what I found. We reviewed books and records. This is the state that we're in. This is the amount of monies that we believe are owed. And these are, are the amounts of assets that we believe we have. Within the first page of this filing, let me actually just pull it up because I think it's important to, to be accurate when I read this so you guys can get the full picture. I believe in keeping it real here on Barely Legal in Web3. So I'm not just going to paraphrase. I'm not just going to summarize what the actual statement was that really ticked me off. I'm going to read it to you guys word for word. So I'm looking at the filing. So this is the newly appointed CEO that I mentioned. His name is John J. Ray III. And he was appointed to take over and run the bankruptcy proceeding, make sure that as many creditors as possible can be paid. And so this is very interesting to me from a lawyer's perspective. I'm not going to give it away. Let me just read it to you. Let me just read it to you. So second page of the filing, he's gone through basically who he is. He was appointed. He's got 40 years of legal and restructuring experience. He's been the CRO, that's the chief restructuring officer and the CEO of several of the largest ones, most notably Enron, which many of you know about. Fine, whatever. Guy has experience. Guy has clout. Makes total sense. This is the, the part that really pissed me off. Never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. From compromised systems integrity and faulty regulatory oversight abroad to the concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of inexperienced, unsophisticated, and potentially compromised individuals, this situation is unprecedented. So I don't take issue with him saying that there's a complete failure of corporate controls or, you know, that there's been compromised systems and there's bad regulatory oversight. I take a real big issue with him categorizing SBF and friends as inexperienced and unsophisticated. Because when you do that, you immediately paint a picture that they didn't know that they were doing something wrong. They didn't know that they weren't supposed to buy houses with customer assets. They didn't know that they were actually supposed to record assets that were coming in. Mind you, there, there are still millions of dollars that are unaccounted for that people cannot find. So not only do we have a case 
where someone has completely broken the trust of their consumers and customers in the crypto trading space, we now have this dude coming in and basically before the whole damn bankruptcy even starts, coming in and saying they were inexperienced and unsophisticated. You cannot say that because there are potential criminal proceedings that may happen. Your job is not to say why. Your job is not to say why the situation is what it is. Your job is to walk through the facts. Walk through the facts. Well, the fact was no corporate controls, lack of financial information, compromised systems integrity. Okay, but don't paint the picture that they were inexperienced and unsophisticated because you don't know that. You do not know that. So I've been hot. You know, I've been hot for like a week and a half. And I'm like, should I even record a podcast? Because maybe I'm going to come off a little bit rough. (laughs) But, you know, we have to keep it real. And this is such an interesting point to me because it's so timely. You know, as we start the boot camp that will start in early January for Web3 Lawyers, and I'll talk more about that in this episode, and as we continue to build out the community, and as I begin to see more lawyers enter the space, I will tell you guys that the good old boys club is still active. It is still active, it is alive, and it is thriving. Because if this SBF is not behind bars as I record this episode today, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with the system. And for all this talk that Web3 is decentralized and it's diverse and we're welcoming people in and we're leveling the playing field and no one owns the information, and we, come on. Come on. Let's just, let's not drink the Kool-Aid anymore. Let's just not drink it. And I was drinking the Kool-Aid at first. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I mean, when I first came in, you know, I really started doing this work towards about a year ago. As you know, my background is data privacy, tech and data, regulatory compliance, all of that stuff. But moving into the blockchain space, I had high hopes. I don't know why, but I had high hopes that (laughs) there would be a new wave, sort of like a rebirth of technology and finance. But it's the same players. It's, It's the same players. It's the same flavor. And we're really not seeing much of a change. So that leads me to my topic today, which is why Web3 needs diverse lawyers. So for many of you that that follow my journey, you may know that I, you know, I've been practicing law for some time. And I don't think on this podcast, I really shared much about my experiences practicing law from when I was in private practice to in-house counsel. And for many of you on the outside, like, wow, Jamelia, it sounds great. You've done a lot of great things. You've worked, you've worked, you know, in a firm, you've worked in-house, you've worked for aerospace and defense, you've worked for hospitality, you've worked for, for banking, for actually one of the largest banks in the UK. That sounds great. Let me tell you guys something. The same good old boys network, banging the table here, okay, the same good old boys network that exists, that has been perpetuating this system that you see reflected in the partnership ranks of many big law firms is the same system that's happening in Web3. It is the promotion and the protection of white males. 
whether it is merited or not. And we all know that there's no reason that someone with SBF's background should even have had a multi-billion dollar company because the dude couldn't even put on a t-shirt, couldn't even put on a button-down shirt and take care of his hair for an interview. So why was he trusted to take on billions, not millions, billions of dollars and create an empire? And it wasn't just that the empire itself was faulty. It was that the empire was fraudulent. We're not just talking about bad bad business and a business model that doesn't make sense. We're not talking about that. We're talking about having a research firm and a trading platform. And the information from the research firm is cross filtering with the trading platform and vice versa. And people knew this and this was open information. So let's talk about what Web3 really needs. It really needs lawyers that actually do have the merit and actually do have the experience and haven't gotten by because they're just a white male. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not saying that all white men don't know what they're doing in Web3 if they're practicing law or if they're building a business. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that they have been given opportunities that others would not have gotten. And so The reason why, when you look to see who is general counsel at many of these large crypto trading platforms and other large Web3 businesses, is because they have been chosen or picked by people who are running the business that say, I want someone that looks like me. And they may not say it, you know, consciously, right? But they may. But they, many times, maybe they're not saying it consciously. But it is coming out. And we know that. We know it. And anyone that, that doesn't agree with that, just go do the research. Go do the research about human behavior. Go do the research about why there's such a discrepancy in the number of women lawyers that are partners at these big law firms. Why do law firms need to actually create these pipelines? Because the hiring practices are discriminatory. And it's because the people who are doing the hiring just tend to hire people that look like them. And so all of this creates this huge system where people are only promoting and only choosing to work with people that look like them. And so back to my story, one of the reasons that I decided to leave corporate is because they could never accept my magnificence. (laughs) I'm just kidding. One of the reasons I decided to leave corporate is because I knew within my heart of hearts that even though I had made it quite high in that structure, that I really should have been at least two rungs up. And I couldn't anymore get to the point where I was reporting to someone and I actually knew more than them. And I could do their job with my eyes closed. And, and actually, I was tired of doing my job and their job. The reason of, for creating the course and the community is so that people who are interested in learning about legal issues in Web3, learning about how to create a a space for themselves in the Web3 legal area, have the tools and resources to do so. And, you know, each cohort has gotten better and better in terms of what we learned about what the challenges are for people, what 
the pain points are. Why do lawyers really feel like they need this boot camp? I mean, you could take any course, right? You could go. I, I actually did this. I took a, I think it was a California, University of California at Berkeley blockchain course. It had nothing to do with law. But I mean, so there's so many choices out there, but you just sit there and you listen to a recording on the screen. On the screen. There's no one to talk to. You cannot ask questions uh, of the instructor. And there's not really much accountability. And there's not much application. So you walk away and you've got this piece of paper that looks great, but you still don't know what the hell you're doing. That's not what we're creating with ByteBow. And my clients know this, right? So anyone that has worked with me in the space, I feel that clients actually choose their counsel, not just because they're great at what they do, but they choose them because they like them. And how do clients know whether or not they like you? Well, you get to show what you stand for. And I stand for inclusivity. I stand for diversity. And I stand for giving people a chance to be great. And so the, the companies that ByteBow has worked with and will work with are all companies that really want to promote diversity in the legal field in Web3. And that's the uniqueness. That's what we're trying to create. You know, if SBF had a lawyer, could you imagine? Let me just ask you this question. I mean, this just popped into my head. I don't think <laughs> if SBF's lawyer was a woman, all right, I won't even say a black woman because he probably wouldn't have got that far with a black woman. But if, if his lawyer was a woman, if he, I don't even know if he had a lawyer, but do you think she would have sat by and been like, mm, okay, yes, go buy that house in, in Bahamas with the customer's assets. That'll be fine. No, she wouldn't have. And then you need to ask yourself, why wouldn't she allow that? Because she probably had to work pretty damn hard to get to where she was to even think about being his lawyer. So this is about being fair. This is about doing what's right. Because people who work hard for what they want, they don't cheat other people. No, who have you seen that has like from a rags to riches story like, oh yeah, I started out working at the coffee shop or, you know, busting tables and then they get somewhere in life and they start scamming people. That doesn't happen because over the years you realize the importance of hard work. So why would you then go ahead and scam people? You just wouldn't. And so, yeah, this is about diversity, but it's also about ethics. And it's about putting people who have great values, a great moral compass in places where they can call the shots and they can say, no, you shouldn't do that. Or no, the company is not set up to do that. And that's the full reason behind this. This has nothing to do, I mean, you could bake it down and try to paint the picture that this is all about race and it's all about gender, but it's not. It really isn't. Those are factors. Those are factors simply because of the system that we work in, that it just so happens that those people don't have access to certain resources and tools and information, and therefore they have to hustle. But this is about ethics. This is about moral values. This is about what do you actually want Web3 to be like 10 years from now, when the technology has exploded and, and can do so much more. Because once this technology takes off and is able to really do the things that we are imagining, 
there are going to be a hell of a lot more ethical questions that come into place. I mean, think about it. We're already having ethical questions about AI within Web3. Like, should we allow artists to use AI to create art and then mint NFTs? Is it original? Sure, that's a minor question, but I know some people that are pretty fired up about it. Some artists are very much against artificial intelligence creating art and then minting NFTs and then saying it's original. So, yeah, I was fired up for a week and a half. You know, I didn't record a podcast, but <laughs> I'm at the point now that I can record it. And as you can see, I'm still very fired up because this is exactly why Web3 needs diverse lawyers. And I've been watching the space. I've seen a few legal Web3 communities that don't have many women and they don't have many people of color. And why is that? I don't think it's because they're putting up barriers and saying, hey, we only want men in here. We only want uh, white men in here. I don't think that's what it is. But I think that when you get to a certain critical mass where the population is very homogeneous, then maybe it's a deterrent. Maybe it actually is a implicit, we don't want to be diverse message. And so... I actually encourage anyone that's creating a community in Web3 to take a look around. If your community is not reflective of the population at large, don't try to chalk it up and saying, oh, there are no attorneys that look like this, or there are no women attorneys, or there are no people. No, that's not what it is. You have to really look at your structure and your model and see why it is that what you built looks like that. So that's my thought for the day. I mean, I really appreciate you guys for listening. I know that if you're listening, a lot of what I say vibes with you and it connects with you. And this is our task. This is our mission. We've got to build it out. We've got to make sure that that one L woman law student is going to be able to find a job in Web3. And that when she graduates and after she does her summer program and she gets her offer, yeah, maybe she'll go to a firm, maybe she'll do whatever, but we have to make sure that she doesn't feel imposter syndrome and that she doesn't feel like there's no space for her at this intersection of technology and law, because we're going to create that space. So if you guys are fired up about that, I am too. If you're listening to this podcast, I really would love you to join the community at ByteBow. You can check it out. It's community.bytebow.io. I'll also put that link in the show notes. And we're waiting for you to join. We're waiting for you to hear your opinions. A number of people have joined. I love the way the community's shaping up. We have people from all over the world, from Portugal, we have people from Africa, from US, from Canada, everywhere. And it's great because that's how Web3 should look. Second point. If you're interested in taking it a step further and really investing in how this is going to transform your career, I highly urge you to consider our Web3 Bootcamp. We're starting early January. It's a six-week course. It's all streamed, so I don't record. I, I don't record and replay. If you miss a if you miss a course a, a class, then we can give you access so you can see it again. But the point of this is for you to have interaction, not just with me, but with other lawyers. 
So sometimes you're in a situation where you ask a question and you get a response and you're like, oh, okay. And then that's that. But when you're in a small group and you ask a question and then someone challenges your question or someone responds to your question, that's not the instructor. That is so much better. And so we really need to create this collective of thought leadership and diverse thought to really come up. And the kicker for all of this is the capstone project. Now, in our first cohort, we had a really great accelerator that we worked with. We worked with Angel Labs. They had about 15 different Web3 startups that came into our clinic, and we were able to answer their questions and, you know, kind of just get that confidence of, hey, I've actually done this. I have actually guided and given some advice to a Web3 startup. And so when you leave the boot camp, you're no longer coming in as somebody who has just read articles or someone who has just taken a course. You're leaving as someone who has actually given guidance before and has some experience under their belt. So that is the kicker. That's the value that we provide. And the cherry on the cake is that all of this is done in an inclusive, non-judgmental fashion, which is the way we like it. So encourage you guys to check that out. I've ranted. I feel much better after recording this podcast. There'll probably be more passionate episodes coming up, depending on how Web3 goes. And yeah, I look forward to hearing from you guys. You guys can check me out on, I guess I'm mostly on Twitter these days. I'm thinking of doing some Barely Legal and Web3 recordings on Twitter spaces. So if you have any thoughts on that, you can send me a DM. I'm also very much on LinkedIn. So I look forward to hearing from you guys. And that's it. So keep reading, keep learning, and stay positive. Talk to you next time.